Did anybody see what happened out here yesterday? Something big happened out here on the fields. Anybody see that? Come on, people. There was like 2,000 people. There was like 2,000 people out on the field. Did you know Israel conquered giants? Did you know Israel was supposed to be defeated? There was like two, we did this egg hunt out there yesterday, and there was like 2,000 people and about five to 700 kids we have, we have estimated, and they were ferocious. And um, y'all don't know, I had a plan. I, I know what y'all are saying. He just went out there and said, go. No, I didn't. They just said, I'm going. I said, hello? They thought I said, go. And then I said, no, no, no. And they said, yes, yes, yes. And me and Vincent said, okay. Have your way, Lord. I had it all dialed in. I was going to get them hyped up. I didn't know they were at max capacity in energy already. And I ran out there and I said, what's up, everybody? And boom, they were off to the races. And I was freaking out for like two seconds. And then I said, there ain't no stopping this. And and God gave me something with that. God gave me something with that. He says, when I say go, when God says go, it doesn't matter if I'm holding this. So I got a good word coming on that. When God says go, you're not stopping anything. When God opens the floodgates. But the reason I brought this is because I wanted to use it yesterday and I didn't get to. And I like to be efficient with everything we do. And I felt like to not even get to use this was a waste of our purchase. So I'm just going to, but when God says go, it don't matter if I'm doing this. If God opens a floodgate, you think this is going to make them wait? If God opens a floodgate for 1C Church, you think, you think we're going to tell them what pace to let the people come in? I don't know what, what flow that'll be, but when God says go, this is just for looks, unless you're hot. Okay, anyway, I'm done with that. Core strength. Core strength is how we succeeded yesterday because our core group of volunteers were proactive. They showed up early. They got it done. They killed it. And so we were able to maintain, we call it calculated chaos, strategic chaos. We don't really have control, but we had a rhythm. And when you have crowds that big, you got to have a rhythm. And when Israel was fighting giants, there had to be a a rhythm. And if the Lord blessed it, they succeeded. And if the Lord did not bless it, Israel was defeated. When Israel got really self-centered, thank you, babe, for grabbing my flag. You don't like to just do one of these? It's fun to throw stuff. Anyway, when Israel was in the will of God, big things happen, unexpected things. And I believe that something big happened yesterday. And some of y'all may say, well, I don't see anybody that didn't do that. You know what? Some people take six months of seed planting. Some take six years, but we planted a few thousand seeds yesterday. And so all we can ask God to do is water it. One waters, one plants, and God gives the increase. We're believing on that, so we're thankful for that. But what made that succeed was the core group and the unity we provided in numbers together. We executed as a team, and that, that harmony really matters. And so it made me want to give you all today uh, an illustration of who we are as a church culturally, because you may have heard this before, but you probably forgotten. That's okay. I don't expect you to remember everything. I want you to know what our values are. 
and what our mission is and what our vision is. And so when I was thinking about, you know what, I forgot to show the pictures. Let's show a couple pictures of the um, egg hunt. That's a lot of people. Oh, my Lord. That was going down the line. I was trying to get them excited, and they were just looking at me like deer in headlights. I even said to them, this is not no library, people, on the sidewalk. And some guy, I think, wanted to smack me, but, you know, it comes out. Look at that. Show that last one. Show that last one. Okay. You see the back, the little things? Those are more people. It's going around four acres. That's a lot of people. So that was really cool. To make that happen, you got to be mighty in strength and have core strength. Can we show the picture of Kaylee? You got to have this kind of strength. <laughs> She's my, she, how many of y'all can do that? How many of y'all can do that without something getting broke, including you? So she's my youngest, and she's five, and she has wicked core strength. And she's just like a tiny little ball of muscle. And she's always like, watch this, Dad. And she climbs the door frames. And then one day we look over, and she's sideways. And what makes her be able to hold herself there is a good mid-core strength. And so this, this, this is what popped in my mind yesterday when we, were, when we were conquering giants out on the field is that, the core strength is what causes a church to grow and succeed and be able to do things beyond what the world say, what the world says is, is capable. Core strength is how God reaches the promised land. God's church reaches the promised land. If you want to reach the promised land, you got to jump all in for the mission. And the only way the promised land can really be reached is together because that's what core strength is. It's, usually, it's using all the muscles together to do something big, to hold yourself up when you'd fall otherwise. Our mission at One Seed Church is simple. It's to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ. It's not complicated. The gospel wasn't meant to be complicated. So when you want to know why this church exists, it's to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? That's through our vision, our vision. Our vision statement is discover God's perfect plan for you. See, I grew up thinking church was something my mom had to drag me to, and I had to wear the clip-on tie, and I had to bring the Hot Wheels. That's what I thought church was. I never had a concept that I was to be the church until I grew up and turned into a man, and it's okay, I was five. But, but you know, the younger you can start them in understanding that serving in your church and being active in your church is how you do the mission. And so how we do it is by the vision. We each have this thing called a plan that God forecasted from the beginning for at the end, over the end, what would happen if we would choose to step when he says step, and that's the perfect plan for each of us. Discover God's perfect plan made just for you. I think our screen is is having um, a little bit of an issue. It's, it's flickering a lot. I don't know. We'll just deal with it. It's not the first time we've had technical issues as a mobile church. <laughs> um, discover God's perfect plan made just for you. The reason it says just for you is because the next door person's plan is different than yours. And so we, we, we scoot by saying, well, I can let them do it. But God has something unique he put in you from the beginning, that you were designed to do for his kingdom. All of us, even the non-believers who don't know they were called, we are all called to the commission of the gospel. So that is the vision, and that's how we do it. When we bring our gifts together, 
I couldn't do it without sound people. I couldn't preach. And, and, and we couldn't have worship without, without computer people. And we couldn't have coffee without someone to make the coffee. And we couldn't have, see how we do it together. Everything you see, it's only because we did it together. That's the only way it changes. That's the only way it grows. That's what core strength is, and that's how you get stronger in your core. So if you ever get really bored and you want to go to our website and look at our values, you can go to 1cchurch.org slash values, and I'm going to go over these today. This is not going to be like a lecture type, like a Bueller, Bueller thing. I'm going to still preach these because y'all got to stay awake. But these are important that we talk about what our culture is here at the church so you understand why we exist. We have 10 core values. The number one, oh, that is really irritating me. Can I, did I say that out loud? I just kind of say whatever I think. Sometimes it's bad. The number one core value is Jesus at the center. Jesus has to be at the center in anything we do as a church. When you see something that doesn't look like Jesus at the center, Jesus is at the center in every decision we make, everything we do. Because when he's no longer at the center of our objectives here, we become the world. So we have to always keep that at the forefront of our minds. What would Jesus do? Is Jesus at the center of my personal life? Is Jesus at the center of my family? I'm talking about, this is all of us asking ourselves, my relationships, my job, my, my driving habits on the road. Come on, somebody. Is Jesus at the center of your will? Jesus, take the wheel. Little Carrie Underwood. Most of you are like, no, Jesus, you're not taking my wheel when I get mad at them in traffic. I, I get it. But the more we can put Jesus at the center of this church in every decision, every step, and in our personal life, collaboratively together, we're going to see lives touched. Because when people get touched here, because they see God in you, that makes them want to come to church. That's what they want. The second is the word. Our relationship with God is all based on his word. If we're starving for word, we can't really consume God. That's how he, he gave us, he gave himself to us is through the word. And as we consume the word, it's like a seed. That's why we call it one seed. As we, we receive the word, we're planting the seed into our bellies and asking God to grow this thing together. Y'all, y'all getting this? Y'all awake? Just give me a clap just to know, like, you don't hate me right now because you feel like you're in 10th grade English class or something. Okay, that's good. This one's big. This one, if we all did this, oh, man, oh, man, would we just rapidly shift into the next dimension? If we give God our best, if we all gave our best, all of us, Everything, even when you don't know what that is, you come saying, I want to give my best today. How can I be used? Not what I want, Lord. What does the church need for me to do? How can I be a blessing to your kingdom, God? You know, that's giving God your best. And when you really do that and you're really honest with yourself and say, well, I really haven't, and I'm talking to myself here, but if I do that, I will see dramatic change. And you think you're losing something, but that's actually how God feeds you is by giving him your best, your best. When we give God our best, we will find excellence. Everybody say this, excellence instead of average. 
Do y'all want to be this average in anything? Does anybody set out and say, today I'm going to start something great and I want it to be average? Whoever said that? No one that ever succeeded. You know why? Because they're hungry to go after it and achieve excellence. And when it's for God, the bar is raised. To whom much is given, much is required. And it's with excellence. So I don't run from accountability. I embrace it and say, God chose me. God chose Larry. God chose Vincent to do his will. I'm going to do it with excellence because God is my core strength. God is my strength. It will motivate you when you're looking for excellence in everything. Some of you just think that's a word that you can't consume. God can bring you into excellence when you give it to him fully. God can can take you out of that that dark season that you think you're just not capable of doing anything to that caliber for the Lord. Everybody in the Bible that God used mightily had baggage, had issues, had, had heartache, had pains. They all had these things, but at some point they said, he is greater. He is greater. I want to do it with excellence, God. Take me to where I need to go. I'm not going to think about yesterday no more because yesterday is yesterday, and I'm tired of holding on to that stale bread, if you all remember that sermon. (laughs) My mom loves it. Love Love your bread, mom. Number four, this is another big one that sadly lacks in God's house. That's why we we exist, is to value one another as we value Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's real easy to look at people on the surface at first and and establish a conclusion. Or maybe you heard a little bit about them and what they did. Or you, 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 you saw them years ago act a certain way. Did you know that everybody has a chance to be redeemed? Everybody has a chance to be forgiven. Now, I'm not saying if they're still living this way and they're hurting your walk that you should be their best friend, but everybody deserves a second chance. And that value that God gives us through grace and mercy because we were dirty without the cleansing of his blood, we've got to give that to people. And if we don't, we're in contradiction. You can clap for that. We're in contradiction with the word if we don't. We're the judgment Pharisees if we don't. We're preaching against the Pharisees and that's what we're doing. Can I preach this? Y'all want to hear it? This is what the world needs. Cleansing. Get their mind back to this and off Facebook and thinking that that's the source of truth. Dear Lord, this is one of my favorites because I'm a little OCD, I'm not going to lie, and I'm a planner. If you ever want to see me come unglued, throw something at me last minute. I'll say, I'm sorry, no. And it's because... I truly believe in efficiency. And efficiency takes planning. It takes thinking ahead. You're always thinking ahead. You know Google, when they're planning the next software, they didn't plan it last week. They're like 10 years out. Did you know that? When they're planning the thing you're playing with, like this week, like, like YouTube. YouTube was happening like 10 years before we, we, it became like cool to us. Like they're thinking ahead. You have to be innovative thinking and always forward thinking. And that preparation makes an egg hunt a piece of cake when you're used to doing a mobile church for three years and every possible problem can come at you and you just got to learn to laugh at it. So when you get in front of 2,000 people as a core little Israel out there, it's nothing but a thing because you, you were prepared. You see? We were prepared. How many felt unprepared out there? Did anybody? You can be honest. We, 
we were prepared. Everybody had it together. Nobody says, what do I do? What do I do? Like nobody did that. Everybody knew what they were doing because we were prepared. You know why? Because we've been there through preparation. Can I tell you a really embarrassing story real quick that I'm digressing, but maybe this will let you remember this. When I was a kid, everybody knows, I wanted to be Janet Jackson. I know it's weird. I didn't say it was cool. It was weird, okay? And, and what I would do when my mommy and daddy were at work, up until like I was a teenager, Nolani, because I didn't have any friends or whatever, I would pretend to be having a concert in my basement. I would turn up the music, and I would run around that room like it was the biggest audience that ever existed because someday, if the real people came, been there. And so later in life, I never got to that, but I got to some real people, and guess what? Felt familiar because I was prepared. I was prepared. Efficiency is huge. Efficiency lets you do a lot with a little. A lot with a little. You can have a whole bunch of stuff and not be efficient and get a little, get nothing accomplished in God's house. We can be a very self-serving church. That's not the mission. Remember, the mission is to extend the gospel, extend the loving teachings. That means we're coming to get fed enough to then take the gospel outward, to extend it, to extend it, the reach, as the arms and feet. So efficiency. Number six is never settling. We are always improving, taking action to grow in our walk with God. You can ask Jen. You can ask Nate. You can ask the band we never stay, okay, this is it forever. We're always going, how can we make it better? How can we make it more effective for the congregation? How can we, the kids, oh my Lord, the kids' experience has been a journey. We started with like, I don't know, tin can and strings and some, some rattles. I don't know what we started with in kids' hallway. Now we're getting like, we got some tablets. We got wireless printing. We're speeding it up. We got the mobile pass for kids checking. We're trying to grow and learn and keep taking steps forward so that we can Offer our best, never settling for what was okay. And sometimes it's okay to settle for a moment, but it's always good to reevaluate. I have a thing on my calendar that says, go look at all the processes, like once a quarter. Because after a while, when you live in them, it starts feeling good to you. And then in hindsight, you go back and go, whoa, I totally missed that. Why didn't we do that two years ago? I totally missed that. So that's a good thing we can do in our lives. Never settling for mediocre and, and what, what worked yesterday. I don't know if you all noticed in the scriptures, but God never did the same thing twice to deliver his people. He always changed it up on them. So God wants you to remember that he will deliver, but not be dependent on how he's going to do it every time he does it. Because if you are so confident in how he's going to do it, he's going to upset you next time because you're going to feel like he left you because he's actually going to do it a different way. And so that's the message in that, is that we never want to get stuck in how God is faithful to us, but just knowing he is. And that we would never settle. He is our core strength. Number seven says, synergy promotes growth. Does anybody know what, that's my fancy word for the day. Does anybody know what synergy is? Allison, you're really smart, so this is like not that great of a word to you. But it's big to me. <laughs> She's really good with grammar, and I'm really bad with grammar. So I appreciate her helping me sometimes. Does anybody know what synergy is? Anybody? Nobody knows what synergy is? Can I even get a finger in the air? Like, nobody knows what synergy? Allison does. If we all do something really well, we're really gifted, and we all go do it separately, 
we can't accomplish the same as when we take those same gifts collectively as one. That's what core strength is. That's what synergy is. It's when the output of the group bring the same gifts together as the individual parts operating independently is greater. That's what synergy is. That's what a church is. It's the synergy uh, glued together by the gospel and the mission, and it shapes the culture. And when the culture is on target with the mission, the mission goes forward. When the, when the culture is ping pong all over, nobody knows what the mission is, and we don't even know anything. We're just like lost when we get, like in our, in our spiritual journey. God, God says, I will have a specific detailed journey for you. How can you execute a plan that you don't know what it is? So I want to take you there, and it takes focus and synergy. Together, Israel did stuff. We can do it together, church. Yesterday, there was a moment I was really running crazy, and there was a moment out on the parking lot where I got a little choked up, and it was in a good way. And I just thought, like, people, they're really out there. They're really there. I thought there was no people in O'Fallon. After a while, I thought everybody left O'Fallon because of corona. I didn't know what was going on. And when we saw, the, we saw the line, I was teasing Nate. Nate's like, the line's too long. I'm like, no, I like the long line, Nate. I want to see the line go around the building. I want it to take a long time because I want people to see the seeds that have been planting, that, that they leave there going, man, did you see the traffic jam? Man, did you see that? That's seed that's been planted for three years. And so we got to see a spark of what God will do if we keep pushing the plow. It can be in here. It can be in everything we do as a church. I'm not focused on quantity, but we can fill this room, church, if we do it together. It's, it's nothing. This is, this is the least seed we've had in all our venues. We could be popping in here if we do it together. Together. We're the reach. We're reaching people and bringing them in. Synergy promotes growth. Number eight class, I hate that I have numbered these. It makes me remember why I hated high school and was passed out. I had this teacher, can I just say this to keep you awake? Because I know y'all want to like play with your phones and check out because I'm giving you like actual really meat here and it's boring sometimes. But I want to keep you awake. And I remember in 10th grade, I had this teacher, Mrs. Ross or something. And the kids were so rude that you just go to sleep right in front of her. Like you, you didn't even care at that point. It was like the first hour, and I remember I was sleeping right in front of her in the front row, and she was whipping her hands around, and I remember her hands catching my hair, 10th grade. And I, th- I thought, does she know she's hitting me? And I thought, I bet she's hitting me on purpose because I'm so rudely, you know, like, so, so uh, why, did I, why did I say that? I don't, I don't know why I said that, but what, I, what I'm saying to you is uh, that's, that's what this reminds me of when I'm giving you like a list. That's what I'm saying. That's why I had to plan a church, because I'd go to church, and the pastor would just talk and just read from the thing, and I would fall asleep. And I'm like, why am I here? God said, go plan a church. Okay, so number eight. <laughs> Y'all still with me? There's only 10. There's only 10, guys. We're at eight. Okay? Can I get a praise for number eight? Come on. Come on. Come on, Jeff. Give me a praise for number eight. Somebody. Pam, give me a praise. Chloe, Hannah, just give me a shot for number eight. Okay. Man, anybody barbecuing after church? Oh, sorry. Getting, getting sidetracked. I didn't sleep for... Three days because of eggs and church stuff. Number eight is huge. It's huge. Okay. Could this be the best one? I don't know. There's hard to pick. It's hard to pick which one's the best one. This one is huge. Huge. 
Church people, take note. If you are a seasoned church person in the house today, take note of this one. A servant's attitude. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? You know what the problem with the Pharisees were? Is they weren't teachable. They already knew it all. Did you know the greatest leaders always are learning? You can know a lot, but you never know enough. That's what a servant, you can clap for that. Jesus says, in order to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the least among your brethren and sisters. Jesus was in the pits with them. He wasn't out on the yacht or whatever, canoe, whatever they had, while they were all doing the work. They were in it together. They bled together. They sweat together. They, they reached together. They witnessed together. Because in order to be the greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the least among your brethren. And that's talking about your mindset. Am I humble enough to learn things I don't even know yet? There's things you don't know. Like, this is me talking. There's things I don't know that I don't know. So when I understand that there's something I probably don't know that I want to learn. And so God showed it to me because I don't know. There's no way I could know. Guess who's going to grow? Those people. Guess who's going to achieve? Peter. Peter was rough, but he was hungry to grow. He was hungry to do the will of God. A servant's attitude, staying teachable, is so, so important. There's so many people that are in our church today that I hope they're watching online because I want to say to you, to stay teachable. You could be used mightily for the Lord if you recognized that you need to be teachable, humble, hungry. It's a good thing. It creates unconditional perspective. It creates unconditional perspective. It takes me out of the conversation because I come saying, what can I do for God? God replaces me in the sentence. Does that make sense? We don't even know we do it. We, we, we bring God our laundry list of what's not enough. I mean, like they didn't have any food. Remember when he, when, he, when he multiplied the fish and the bread? They didn't even have any food. They weren't saying, God, you're not good enough to us. They did think they were going to starve, and then God had to show them, are you crazy? Of course I'm going to feed you if you need to be fed. And he multiplied, and they had leftovers. A servant's attitude is critical critical to break the traditional religious thing and be a Jesus thing. That's the difference. Is one is a servant mindset and one is a self-serving mindset. We want to be a serving church. Are y'all with me? We want to serve the community. We want to serve each other. We want to serve the gospel. The people. We had somebody yesterday, can I just, I just heard this, nobody said it to me, and they were so critical of like something at the egg hunt. And I just want to shake them sometime going, what is wrong with you? Like, you're missing the whole picture because you're so missing. You got the religion glued over your head and the Pharisee thing, and you just got to take the veil off and see. Look at what we're doing. And, you know, you learn to laugh at it. You're always going to have that. Anytime you will to do good, someone's going to throw a dart to try to penetrate your joy. But the things we get caught up on are so self-serving. That when you take that out of the equation, you laugh and go, man, how petty is that? 
That doesn't bother me. That means nothing. There was people crying. There was little kids giving hugs to church people here. Christine had a little kid, and I think maybe an adult, come up and just straight up, she said, are you with the church? She said, yeah, and they just hugged her. You're telling me people aren't being affected? That's what brought the joy from yesterday is to see the people sitting down in the grass with their families, and they were so joyful. I didn't even think of that. I'm thinking all strategy and calculations and numbers and all these things. I didn't even think about how people would be after, and I thought they'd be kind of standoffish, and they were so nice. You know why? Because they were humble, and they were starving for what we gave them, which was an opportunity for community. The world's starving for it. That's just a drop in the bucket. That's how the world is right now. Everybody's starving and waiting for someone to open up their arms. And then it's up to them to come take the hug. I thought that was so cool. We had videos sent to us of people finding the golden eggs, and they posted on Facebook. And, and it just like oh, the little dollar in the egg just blew the mind of the eight-year-old. And I'm thinking, it's just a dollar. And this kid's like, oh, thank you, God, you've delivered the kingdom through this dollar. They're like, is it a real dollar? It's a real dollar, Jimmy. And they were freaking out. We had some $20 eggs in there. I didn't get to hear about those. If you're watching and you got a 20, shoot us a message. Let us know what you think. We'd love your feedback on that. Number nine. What we're doing here is multi-generational. When you see week to week, what I see is generation to generation. And we're all meant to see that way. When we make a decision and someone down the street don't like it, what I'm thinking is, what are my kids going to face by me doing this? The church is meant to leave its mark for the next person. And as much as I, I hate saying this over and over because I really want it to be about my joy and my thing, it's really not about us. It's about Jesus. We're boats. Anybody like boats? Nobody likes boats? Come on, somebody. Okay, we got three people who like boats. What if I told you Jesus liked boats? What if I told you that Jesus likes to use your boat? Would you change your mood about boats? Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) We're boats. We're boats. Did you know the Bible says that God, if God can steer just the little, the, little, the little thing of the boat, he can make the whole ship move? You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit in you. That if you can let it move according to his will, your will be done. My will. No, your will, my will. Your will, good angel, bad angel. Your will, God. Yes, that's what it says. Your will be done here on earth. If I let that happen, he can take my ship, which I thought was a canoe, and God said, I actually gave you a yacht. It's a big boat make a big difference in a big world. And until I come and take you all to heaven with me, keep driving your boat because I need vessels because you're here to leave a mark. You're here to leave a mark. When you thought you were here to play the drums, you're here to leave a mark. When you thought you were here just to, I don't know, get the coffee and whatever, God says, you're here to leave a mark. We are to leave our mark. We're building up his name in promoting what we do. We're building up his name in promoting what we do. Because someday I'm going to be too old to do this. And I'll be like, I don't know. Can I, can I, is this rude? 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to be like, but I'm thinking it will not be as flexible and limber as this moment, which is not too good after yesterday. There's a point where we got to say, how bad do we want it? How bad do we want to give it all to God while we have air to breathe? Do I want to, do I want to really go all in in this life? Do I really believe that God will commend me at the gates of heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Sometimes I don't. Can I just be real? Sometimes I say, I don't know if it's worth it. Like Monday mornings, I don't know if it's worth it. And then by Wednesday, the real, the real heart comes back and says, that's the devil messing with you. That's the devil messing with you on Monday. By Wednesday, we're like, yes. That's what I got to have because I can't give my kids any different. I can't. I can't chance their life on my guessing. I got to follow this gospel. And so that's what gets me up every day to do it. And that's what should get you up every day to do it, even for the kids you don't even have yet. Because God has a perfect plan for you. The last and final point of our core values at One Seat Church, why we exist, what makes our culture unique to our perfect plan with God is gratefulness. Gratefulness breeds thankfulness. When you're not feeling in the mood to be grateful, just remember his sacrifice. Just remember this, today's Palm Sunday. Today's the day that the Lord came in to, to, to Jerusalem and they were shouting Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and they knew what was happening and they're putting down the palm leaves in his, in his path come on y'all stand with me as we close can you imagine standing there when you're feeling distant from the gospel and it feels like regurgitated just rhetoric remember there's a real flesh who hung on a cross behind this mission. This is not your TV series. This is not whatever you've seen that that has been distorted because of religion. This is the true and unfiltered gospel that God has preserved for all of time for a reason because it's alive and well and nothing can defeat it. That's why it still exists today. That's why this is the number one selling book of all time. And no matter how many people try to say that Jesus went to France and had 20 kids, they're a fool because they don't know the gospel. And there's enough gospel written that line upon line, precept upon precept, we have the truth and the truth can't be taken from us. So when you go deeper like that, you remember to be grateful. And when you come into church grateful, you become humble. And when you become humble, you become thankful. Gratitude breeds thankfulness. Remembering his sacrifice will keep our minds focused and on the purpose that God, everybody say it, that God has for my life. Come on, the purpose that God has for my life. Let's try this. Talk to yourself, say, God has a purpose for my life my life not your life say my purpose is my purpose God has a purpose for my life according to this word and you can rejoice for that because that will get you up in the morning when it hurts 
that will get you up in the morning when they scorn you when they beat you when they put the thorns on you that will take you up into the hill carrying that cross whether you want to or not because at the end of the day God says this is my will so be it mighty good and faithful servant I believe it. That's why I get excited. Worship is the cho- is the door. Worship is the door. You want to see all ten come to fruition in your life? Get into worship.